Welcome to the Bridge Builder Program, an initiative of the Minnesota Catholic Conference where we help you live your faith in the public arena. I'm Jason Adkins, Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and joining me in studio is our producer and Minnesota Catholic Conference Communications Manager, Kit Sapiniak. Hey, Kit. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We are so glad to have you with us. Remember that if you ever miss an episode, you can find all of them online. Just go to mncatholic.org forward slash podcast, and then also hit subscribe, and you won't miss any of our future conversations. One reminder, it's Pledge Week. This week's theme is Give Hope. You can give online to help Relevant Radio reach its goal of $2.7 million. Pledge online at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. You can also call 877-291-0123, 877-291-0123. In today's episode, we're talking about the role of Catholic higher education in providing thought leadership that is confident, comprehensive, steady, and humble, and what impact this can have on the public square. How can it produce, as Pope Francis says, a better kind of politics? We're now blessed to be joined on the line by Monsignor James Shea. He is president of the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. Monsignor Shea was inaugurated as the university's sixth president in 2009 at the age of 34, which made him the youngest college or university president in the country. The oldest of eight children, he grew up in North Dakota, not far from the University of Mary. His studies include English and history at Jamestown College before entering seminary and earning his bachelor's and pontifical master's degree in philosophy from the Catholic University of America. He also studied Greek at the University of Texas and continued his study in theology at the Vatican's North American College. Rounding out his education, he went on to study management at the University of Chicago and is an alumnus of the Institutes for Higher Education at Harvard University. Among his many accomplishments, he truly is a Renaissance man. He also served as chaplain for the University of St. Thomas's Center for Catholic Studies program at their Rome campus. Monsignor Shea, welcome to the program. Jason, always great to be with you. Good to hear your voice. Likewise, thank you. Monsignor Shea, what are some key challenges and opportunities for Catholic higher education today? Well, we find ourselves, as we do in every age, with an opportunity to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Catholic higher education has a particular mission. Our work, of course, is to facilitate on our campuses the conversion of the mind to Christ. Now, of course, all kinds of other conversions happen at a Catholic college and should happen, too, as the, as the person grows and becomes more integrated. But our work here is to make sure that students, as they come and study anything under the sun, we have more than 60 undergraduate majors at the University of Mary. We've got a huge school of health sciences, a school of business, a school of arts and sciences, a school of education and behavioral sciences, and a brand new school of engineering. In any of those areas, areas of study to get a sense that truth is one, to study such, it's such that they're able to step back from their studies and get a glimpse that there's a mystery that runs under all things. In other words, the, the Catholic faith and the Catholic truth, which Catholic universities are meant to stand for, is meant to touch and is meant to enliven and illumine every field of human inquiry. And that doesn't happen automatically. A Catholic university has to be very, very thoughtful and intentional about how that happens. But when it happens, I'll tell you, Jason, it's the most amazing thing. It's wonderful to see how both Catholics and non-Catholics who study at the university come alive to questions of truth and goodness and beauty in the midst of their studies, just because we're very intentional about what it means to be a Catholic university. 
your answer really is a great sort of mission statement in a nutshell of what Catholic higher education can and should be today. What are some challenges and impediments that you're facing in, in living that mission and integrating truth? The most obvious challenge is the same kind of challenge that all of us as believers in this culture are facing, and that's that the headwinds are coming pretty strong right now. Building and maintaining an institution like the University of Mary dedicated to Catholic identity is a little bit like trying to build a house in the midst of a gale wind. And we know about wind in North Dakota. We're the best at wind. <laughs> if you come and visit us, <laughs> we, we have amazing wind. Uh, but anyway, it, it's like building a house in the wind because uh, the, the forces of secularization are really on the move in very significant ways. We see it culturally. We see it socially. And so a university like the University of Mary, in our desire and in our mission to be a faithful Catholic university, has to continually consider what we need to do to protect the hearts and minds of our students such that they're able to pursue truth, but not protect them so that we become sort of a bubble where they're unable to engage with the world and do that missionary discipleship work that they were created to do. And so that's one big challenge. Connected with that somewhat is a vision of the human person and what human flourishing really is. We find ourselves constantly having to remind our students, your life is not about you. It's your life Yes, it is, but it's not about you. And unless you find a way to give yourself away in love, unless you recognize that your talents and your gifts, which might be very great, were given to you so that you can give them away, you'll never find happiness, purpose, or meaning in your life. This is a very difficult message for young people to receive, although when they receive it, they experience profound and deep relief in their lives. It's a difficult message on the face of it because they've been told by their culture by the air that they breathe from the time that they were very small, they've been told you can be anything that you want, find your own fulfillment, follow your passion, all of these mantras which are based upon a flawed idea of what the human being was created to be and what each of us were meant to do in our lives, which is truly to give our lives away in love. I do have some hope around this, though, Jason, and I want to share it with you, and it's a strange type of thing. I've experienced in the course of this past year in the midst of the pandemic, a slight, a subtle, but a marked shift around these kinds of questions, which I think is a great opportunity that we as Catholic leaders can't ignore, and that's this. I found some of the dynamics of the pandemic, some of the sacrifices for the common good that young people have had to make during their senior year in high school or coming to us as freshmen this year, have given them a new capacity, a new kind of generosity. They, I think, have learned the hard lesson that everybody has to learn, and you can't learn it almost too early. And that's that life isn't supposed to go along in this easy, simple way in which you have very few inconveniences, you never have to make any sacrifices, you can rearrange and arrange your life in any way that suits your fancy, and that life is mostly about having interesting times with friends and meaningful things to do at work and pictures of your food on Instagram. This is, of course, is a, it's, it's a thoroughly inadequate vision of what it means to be a human person. And I think that our young people in the midst of the pandemic have been disillusioned of that somewhat. That's what I'm seeing in the freshman class here at the University of Mary. I think that's a terrific sign of hope because they're starting 
with a realization that puts them way out in front of generations of college students before them. They recognize that this life is going to be a struggle. It'll involve certain sacrifice. One has to think about the common good, and that there are certain gifts, like being able to go to class in person with your classmates and learn about truth. Uh, those gifts shouldn't be taken for granted. None of the gifts of life should. So, so I'm very hopeful about this rising generation, but there are challenges that we have to be mindful of all the time. That story really resonates in that perspective because our work at the legislature, especially among leadership, you see the way the challenges of the last year and the suffering that has that has created, the, the ways in which leaders are having a difficult time managing ideological factions and other challenges have made them a little bit more open to new ideas and rethinking things. Maybe they've lost a little bit of their hubris, and uh, that's been made them more receptive to seeking out spiritual counsel, the, the voice of the church in public policy debates. It's so important, Jason, because that can go either way. Hardship can either make you hard, <laughs> it can make you cynical and jaded, and we've seen that happen in our culture. But hardship can also deepen compassion and empathy, but also the desire for the things which are true and beautiful and good, as we said before. And in an open heart, you can do a lot with that if you're an educator. Gosh. One of the challenges that we see, especially that COVID and the pandemic has exposed, is the inability of well-meaning people who have some of the best intentions to really think critically. There's just the streak of pragmatism that runs through our elected officials. They can't really connect facts and logic and make sense of them. So one of the challenges, it seems, at least from my perspective, is that Catholic universities and Catholic higher ed can be training people who are apostolic and missionary simply because they're able to apply facts and logic, that they can provide critical thinking in the truest sense of that term. When it seems all around us, people are engaged in very pragmatic, technical ways of of looking at things and interpreting the events around them. And this is a great genius. This is why the Catholic Church has has run schools and, and, and founded universities at the very beginning of the whole project of universities in the Middle Ages. It's because our deep desire for truth in any form that it comes to us through the whole range of human experience in every field of inquiry is deeply liberating. That's what's meant by a liberal education. People sometimes get confused because our categories are so calcified into liberal versus conservative. But the liberal arts (laughs) and liberal education is meant to liberate. (laughs) You know, it's meant to set us free. And so the mind can be particularly susceptible to manipulation and propaganda can be particularly susceptible to the tyranny of the practical, which is what I was hearing in the question uh, that you were asking, if indeed it, it doesn't know how to operate from principle and doesn't have a, a true appreciation for, familiarity with, and a, and a particular almost comfort with, although you can never be fully comfortable with truth, uh, a particular familiarity with truth. In other words, the the appetite of the mind (laughs) has to be formed and shaped such that there's a desire for truth. And when you talk about being able to think critically, being able to move through the different components of an argument, for instance, when basic principles of logic get lost, then there is a whole lot of chaos and you're not able to lead, and you fail those who are entrusted to your care. And so I think Catholic universities absolutely have a role to play in terms of making sure that the education that we put at the disposal of the students who are entrusted to us 
constantly has this care and concern for solid thinking, for right thinking, that there's a full appreciation for how truth can be attained, although that's not an easy thing. It's a great adventure, and it's not simple, but it's worth the effort. Where there seems to be a marked advantage for our Catholic schools and our Catholic higher education institutions is helping people overcome that deficit of the tyranny of the practical and helping people both identify the issue, identify the relevant principles that are needed to address that issue, and then apply those to develop real solutions. And those are the type of people and thinkers we need, and you hit it right on the head, is the ability to take principles and then develop them into solutions. That's excellent. Monsignor Shea, besides a degree and a credential, what are the students seeking when they come to your campus? Obviously, there's a lot of well-formed young kids from good Catholic families, but they're still swimming in the soup of of a hostile, ambient culture in many cases. You've given us sort of the vision of what you're trying to give them as a gift, but what are they seeking and how do you sort of turn some of those things around that might be um, perhaps misguided or products of living in this culture? There can be a tyranny of the practical in the, in the searching for education, too. There are a lot of people who still think that the primary thing that should happen at a university is that you're prepared for your career. And we're absolutely dedicated to career preparation. And so, for instance, we've got the number one nursing program in the country, meaning that our students for years and years on end have a great track record of passing their NCLEX uh, exam, which is the national certification exam for nurses. And so as a result, we have a very highly ranked nursing program. So we'll prepare students who come to us to study nursing such that they're able really meaningfully to care for their patients. (laughs) We're able to train accountants so that they can pass their CPA and so that everybody whose taxes they do don't go to federal prison. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so we're able to provide basic career preparation. But in addition to that, we want to impart that deeper sense and that deeper vision for, for civilization and for culture and for the work that's necessary in order to build that up. In other words, so let's take our faithful Catholic students, of whom, praise God, there are so many who come to us, many, many from Minnesota, and I'm grateful for that. Oftentimes there is the tyranny of the practical in that they'll come, and they, what they want is they want a degree. They want a practical degree, and they want it at an affordable cost. So we're the most affordable, serious Catholic university in America. One time uh, Cardinal Dolan came to our campus, and that was a couple of years ago, I think, tuition at that time, and it hasn't gone up a whole lot, but I think it was around $15,000 at that time. And he said, $15,000, that's the cost of a steak and two martinis in in, in Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, people, I think, often come because they're, they're seeking a really affordable education, and they know they can get a practical degree, and they wouldn't mind doing that. In fact, they prefer to do that in a Catholic environment. In other words, we we have focused missionaries here. We have adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. We have daily Mass a couple of times a day, and it's packed. We have chaplains on our campus, both for our student body in general. There's a wonderful young priest. And also we have a chaplain for our athletic team. By the way, just last night we won (laughs) the National Hockey Tournament. We downed Iowa State 2-0 to on the ice. And so they come for all of those reasons. But what they don't know is that what's meant to happen is that their whole lives are meant to come together in a new imaginative vision. In other words, we're not just forming their intellects and then doing a Bible study 
on the side. We're not just providing them with practical career training and then also getting them, you know, some general requirements like a philosophy course or a theology course. What we're doing is we're awakening their minds such that they're able to see how everything is related to everything else. This is what St. John Henry Newman said, is the purpose of a university to form a habit of mind in which truth can be integrated across disciplines, across every field of human inquiry, such that one begins to experience not just the world, but also one's own life as a coherent whole such that it's not just one darn thing after another, and I'm just trying to keep up and keep my head above water, such that my life isn't gripped by malaise or distraction or boredom, but instead I'm able to catch a glimpse that there's a deep and profound purpose behind my life that if my mind is trained properly, and if my heart also has a capacity and a generosity that's been imparted to it by my education and by the ethos and culture in which I've received that education, I'm suddenly able to make sense of my life. And that, I think, is not something that students necessarily come seeking explicitly, although deep down, of course, doesn't every human being want to receive that. But it's something that that we try hard to impart. By the way, we try hard to impart that also to the students who come to us just because they want to play NCAA Division II basketball or softball or volleyball, or who come to us because they want to get a doctorate in physical therapy or a doctorate in occupational therapy, or they want to be a teacher or an accountant or a nurse, and we've got great programs in that respect. So those students, too, who might be nominal Catholics or Methodists or Lutherans or non-believers completely, we want them to be able to experience that kind of education such that something can awaken in them an appetite for truth, a desire for the integration of their lives. We are speaking with Monsignor James P. Shea, the president of the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. Monsignor Shea, you've started a great new platform, it seems, for communicating this integrated vision of truth and of the person and the Apostolic Mission of Catholic Higher Education, and it's called Prime Matters. Tell us about what's going on with Prime Matters. What's the purpose of that new platform, and who is the intended audience? The primary audience, this is how we think about it, the primary audience for Prime Matters from the very beginning has been our own students, particularly our students who are in our online graduate programs. For instance, we've got 3,800 students here at the University of Mary, and about a 1,000 of them, or a little more than a 1,000, aren't here on this campus, on the main campus of the university. In other words, they're, they're getting an MBA or an MSN degree, or they're studying for their doctorate in education or something like that, primarily in an online format, although oftentimes the programs are blended, and they'll come here to campus for an institute, or they'll meet at our campus in Arizona or something like that. I've been so impressed. I know that you're a recipient of, of Catholic studies at the University of St. Thomas, which I think is a tremendous vision. And so I've been so bowled over by Catholic studies and so grateful for it. We've integrated it very strongly into our traditional educational offerings here at the University of Mary. And so our question was, how can we do something similar to that for people who are heavy into the professions, many of whom are working adults and who are in our online and distance masters and doctoral programs? And Prime Matters was the answer to that. We wanted to provide content which is really hard-hitting, helpful, 
touching particularly upon academic disciplines, but deeply nourishing in terms of that integrated vision. In other words, we wanted to provide something like the community of Catholic studies for our online and distance students. But we said that we would do it in such a way that we could actually contribute to the national discourse in the church, too. In other words, we want all kinds of eavesdroppers, <laughs> people who themselves want to be enriched and nourished by meaty, strong, thoughtful, humble, hard-hitting, and intelligent content. And we feel like a university should be able to have a voice like that. And that's why we launched Prime Matters. And so we did it first for our students, but we also wanted to do it for all of you so that people can come to primematters.com and they can find amazing content. I'll give you an example of that. A couple weeks ago, we ran an interview between Dr. James Link, who's a wonderful Catholic clinical psychologist who's practicing here in Bismarck, and Bishop James Conley, who's the Bishop of Lincoln, Nebraska. And Bishop Conley, in this interview, spoke very beautifully, tremendously movingly, about some of his struggles with mental health and about the treatment and healing that he was able to find in the midst of it. It's a very moving interview, but it touches upon the role of faith in the behavioral sciences. And people don't think about that, how oftentimes atheistic principles or highly secular principles of anthropology sort of grip the social sciences. And so to get around that, and indeed to cut through it, we wanted to do this wonderful interview between a Catholic psychologist and a Catholic bishop about mental health and the healing that one can experience in the midst of it. And that's been tremendously popular, not only among our own students, for instance, in our master's degree in counseling here, but also in the wider public. We've got all kinds of things like that on Prime Matters. Well, it's wonderful that you're opening that great platform and community to the eavesdroppers, as you said, outside of that. And I hope our <laughs> listeners here will check out yeah. Prime Matters and, and take in some of that fantastic content. I've looked at it myself, and it's it's excellent. Monsignor Shea, one question that I didn't think to ask you as I was preparing for this, but I think it's relevant, is that people, even like me, I'm, I've got a 16-year-old son. We're starting to look at colleges this is a vexing question. It's a big investment these days. It costs a lot of money. I know you, Mary, tries to keep it affordable, but not all of our listeners will be able to send their kids to the University of Mary, or maybe they'll find that there's a better school and a better fit. But what counsel do you give parents and young people thinking about college education? What are the relevant considerations and principles they should have at the forefront of their mind as they're making that decision? I think you've read the studies, as have I, about the large number of young people who lose their faith in college. And this is a, it's a great concern. And so it really is important. I don't want to downplay in, in any sense the availability of sacramental life. As Catholics, as baptized believers and disciples of Jesus, it's really important that no matter where we spend those very formative college years, Dr. Don Briel, who both you and I knew used to very often reference Dante's Convivio, where he says that young people who are on the doorstep of adulthood, who are in those formative collegiate years, have the capacity for a kind of stupor of mind in which their mind is open to the reception of all kinds of ideas. And it's important not to sort of isolate that and only feed them ideas which are carefully curated beforehand. That's not a real education, and that doesn't really feed the mind. But it's important that the atmosphere or the ethos or the culture of the place where
where a person is spending those formative years has that opportunity to really grasp onto and grow used to truth. And so first I'd say that it's important that there's a, a vivid sacramental life, whether that's available on campus through university ministry, or there are a number of really great Newman centers at our public colleges and universities. I think, for instance, the University of Mary has a great partnership with Arizona State University, which is the largest public college or university in the nation. And so we operate their uh, Catholic Studies Institute called Mary College at ASU, and we're partnered there with the Newman Center. It's so important that there's vivid sacramental life. But in addition to that, with this stupor of mind, that there's an ability to engage in intellectual work, discourse, or at least conversation around the faith. Because what you don't want is to develop this sort of divided vision where here on this side over here is where I pray and where I get the sacraments. And then totally unrelated to that are my studies in botany or journalism or biology or business. When that happens, there's great danger because the mind needs to be shaped and formed according to the principles of truth as well. And so it's important to look for an opportunity in which that great integrating vision is somehow present, at least in some way, such that real substantive conversations are taking place around the faith and its relevance to life in addition to simple technical training. Wonderful, and just again demonstrated why you're one of the more most important thought leaders in Catholic higher education in our church in the U.S. today. So thank you for that, Monsignor Shea. Where do people go to learn more about you, Mary, and Prime Matters? Prime Matters is available to everybody at primematters.com. Primematters.com. And we don't have any subscription or anything like that in terms of fees or anything. However, a person can subscribe to get a, a weekly update from Prime Matters, which is kind of curated you know, we'll do uh, some analysis, and then there's what we call Lexio Brevis, which is a reflection on the coming weekend readings, and then we'll feature some of our articles or interviews or videos or those kinds of things, and we call that the first draft, <laughs> and we spell it like a draft, like a pint of beer, you know? Indeed. The first draft, and, and that's because we put it out every Thursday around the time that Chesterton's Pub, which is our pub here on campus, opens for the weekend. So people can subscribe to that. But primematters.com, of course, people can go to umary.edu, which is our general website. But I also encourage people to consider going to cometomary.life. That's dot life. If you go to cometomary.life, you'll find there curated all of the sort of things that we attempt to do to integrate the Catholic vision into the work of education. And so you'll see there, for instance, information about our campus over in Rome, about our Catholic studies program, about university ministry and all the things that happen there. And it goes on and on. It's really a great catalog of the work that the University of Mary tries to do in service to our students and the whole landscape of Catholic higher education. That's come to Mary.life. Wonderful. Thank you for that and, and sharing with us those resources. Monsignor Shea of the University of Mary, thanks for joining the Bridge Builder program today. We appreciate it. Thanks for all the great work you do at the Catholic Conference. We admire it a lot, and we're praying for you all the time. Thank you so much. God bless you. And we'll be back in a moment with our mailbag segment. Welcome back to The Bridge Builder, where we help you connect your Catholic faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, and now it's time to jump into the mailbag 
to hear what comments and questions you've been sending our way. Kit, what's in this week's mailbag? We received a question from a new Minnesota Catholic. Sarah says that she is grateful for our awesome discussions on the podcast, and she just simply wants to know what other resources does the Catholic Conference have available so she can learn more about how to speak out on issues that matter to her as a Catholic. Well, first, our website is a treasure trove of resources on these questions, uh, the latest statements, legislative testimony from our bishops and our staff, mncatholic.org, again, mncatholic.org. But most importantly, the Catholic Advocacy Network, and the Catholic Advocacy Network is really your one-stop shop for staying engaged at what's going on in the Capitol and in the halls of Congress by entering your name and information. With a click of the mouse, you can be connected to your legislators, receive updates about key issues that are happening at the Capitol. Sometimes we don't know what to say, when to say it, or how to say it, and the Catholic Advocacy Network creates a bridge for us to be able to do that. Again, mncatholic.org for the website, and click on the Catholic Advocacy Network to sign up and get more involved today. And what do we have in this week's Bricklayer segment Well, you may have missed our awesome Catholics at the Capitol event back on April 15th, but I highly recommend starting with watching all of the really great talks and content from that day. We've broken it up on our YouTube channel so that you can see each of those segments. A lot of great interviews, but also the entire day's content talks from Archbishop Jose Gomez, the great homily on faithful citizenship from Archbishop Hebda, our issue presentations, our keynote with Obianiju Akeocha, the global pro-life advocate, and the really fantastic legislative panel that we did with Speaker of the House Melissa Hortman and House Minority Leader Kurt Doubt. You can just go on YouTube and search for Minnesota Catholic Conference. Subscribe to make sure that you'll be notified when we have any new content available. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in today to The Bridge Builder. We'll be back again next week with another great guest, more of your comments and questions, and a new way for you to build bridges between faith and public life. I'm Jason Adkins, and for Kit Sapiniak, the Minnesota Catholic Conference, thanks for listening, and have a great day.